Cleveland Clinic presents the centennial edition of To Act as a Unit, the story of Cleveland Clinic. Executive Editor John D. Clough, M.D. Editors John Mangles and Steve Salagi. Narrated by Phil Thron. Chapter 1 1880-1890 Overview Cleveland Clinic is a rare institution. It's not so much a place as an idea. The idea of teamwork. The idea of collaboration for patient care. Teamwork that extends to research and education, salaried physicians, and the group practice. This is a model of medicine that the world has looked to for inspiration in recent years. It is a model that has stood the test of time and been tried by fire. This idea was the product of George Cryle, Frank Bunce, and William Lauer, three remarkable physicians. Cryle and Bunce met as young men. Neither had more than a few years of medical school. They worked as assistants in the office of a surgeon, Frank Weed. When Weed died, they bought his meager supplies and built the office into a hugely successful practice. They worked on Cleveland's near west side, within sight and smell of the factories and steel mills of the flats. They rode to accident calls in horses and buggies and delivered babies in crowded tenements. By the flickering light of a candle or kerosene lamp on a kitchen table, usually not clear, amidst dirt, confusion, and tragedy, we ran the race with death, wrote Kreil. The Beginning The year was 1918, the second year of Woodrow Wilson's second term as President of the United States. The world had been at war since 1914, and despite Wilson's determination to keep the United States out of it, the nation had entered the war in 1917. Like all other Americans, physicians mobilized forces to do their part. On August 27, 1918, Dr. George Kreil of Cleveland was in France with the Lakeside Unit, a military hospital outfit. He had been impressed with the cooperative spirit of his surgeon colleagues Dr. Frank Bunce and Dr. William Lauer in their peacetime practices, and later with that of physicians in general in the military. He was moved to write in his journal, What a remarkable record Bunce, Kreil, and Lauer have had all these years. We have been rivals in everything, yet through all the vicissitudes of personal, financial, and professional relations, we have been able to think and act as a unit. This sense of cooperation and unity, forged in the war and shared by the future founders of Cleveland Clinic, made it possible to create the group practice model that still forms the basis for the institution. But the story begins some six decades earlier, in the aftermath of another brutal and bloody war, the American Civil War, when Cleveland Clinic's founders were born. Frank Bunce was the oldest of three surgeons who had closely worked together for many years before the founding of Cleveland Clinic. Born in Youngstown, Ohio in 1861, he lost his father in 1874 and managed to finish only one year of high school. His real education came at the U.S. Naval Academy, to which he was nominated by his congressman, future President James Garfield. 
Bunce spent two years at sea, sailing from Panama to Japan. After leaving the Navy, he attended medical school for three years at Cleveland's Western Reserve University, graduating in 1886 as valedictorian. To pay for school, he taught in a local high school, earning about $30 a month. After a year of internship at St. Vincent Charity Hospital in Cleveland, he became Dr. Frank Weed's assistant. Weed was then dean and professor of surgery at the Worcester University Department of Medicine in Cleveland. Worcester University's medical school was located at what would now be East 14th Street and Central Avenue, if that intersection still existed. An interstate highway now occupies that location. The school was closed and absorbed into Western Reserve University in 1896. George Kreil was born in 1864 on a farm in Chilai, Ohio, a small town in Coshocton County. He worked his way through Northwestern Ohio Normal School, later known as Ohio Northern University, in Ada by teaching in elementary schools. After receiving a teaching certificate in 1884, he was appointed principal of the Plainfield, Ohio schools. Soon his interest turned to medicine, mainly as a result of his contacts with a local physician, Dr. A. E. Walker, who loaned him books and with whom he visited patients. Some of the events of this period are related in Kreil's autobiography, among them the fascinating details of quilling an obstetric patient by blowing snuff through a goose quill into her nose. The sneezing that this induced led to prompt delivery of the baby. In March 1886, Kreil enrolled in Worcester University's Department of Medicine, and in July 1887, after only 15 months of formal medical education, he received his M.D. degree. It is doubtful that Kreil spent the entire 15 months there because the Worcester Medical School operated summer sessions only, and Kreil continued his work as principal of the Plainfield Schools during the winter. He received a master's degree from the Northwestern Ohio Normal School in 1888, the year after he earned his medical degree. Kreil served his internship at Worcester University Hospital under Weed, and after that he joined Bunce as an assistant to Weed in his large office practice. Or, as Kreil put it, he was hired as the office dog for $50 a week. Weed was a vivid personality. Here's how he was recalled by Dr. Howard Dittrich, who later went on to become director of medical education at Cleveland Clinic. Cheery, even boisterous, Frank Weed instilled hope and happiness into the hearts of his patients. At times he could be autocratic, but young men were attracted to him, and no work was too hard, no hours too long, nor no duty too disagreeable ever to disturb their loyalty. If it met with his approbation, that was sufficient reward. Good horses and smart buggies were his pride. The office was at 16 Church Street, not far from the western end of the Superior Street Viaduct. Through diagnostic ability, surgical training, and prestige from teaching, Dr. Weed built up a large practice. For all the care he gave to patients, Weed seemed to have cared less well for himself. He weighed some 240 pounds. His habit was to swim in the morning and follow this with a breakfast of steak and onions. Like Kreil and Lauer, Weed was a workaholic. 
but unlike the two younger men, he rarely relaxed or socialized. Then, tragically, at age 45 and at the peak of his professional career, Weed contracted pneumonia and died. At that time, Bunce was not yet thirty years old, and Kryle was three years younger. Kryle wrote later of how Weed's death affected them. Wearied by loss of sleep, worry, and constant vigil, we left Dr. Weed's house on that cheerless March morning and walked to Dr. Bunce for breakfast. In our dejection, it seemed to us that everything had suddenly come to an end. Our light had gone out. We had no money, no books, no surgical instruments. The only instrument either of us owned, other than my microscope, was a stethoscope. But we agreed to carry on together, to share and share alike both the expenses and the income from the accident practice, each to reserve for himself the income from his private patients. After talking with Mrs. Weed, Bunce and Kryle decided to buy from the estate Weed's goods, chattels, and instruments. These included horses, buggies, a head reflector, surgical instruments, and seven needles. This property represented the embryo from which Cleveland Clinic was born. <laughs>